Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Touchdown, Kentucky. Jalen Whitlow, Aaron Gershon, and Gershon for the Cats. Pause. Jalen Whitlow, former UK quarterback. You heard one of his highlights there, making plays for the blue and white there at Kroger Fields. Might have been still Commonwealth Stadium at the time. Either way, Jalen ripping off a big run. Uh, fellas, we licking our wounds from Tennessee, Mississippi State. Is looming. How we doing? What's <laughs> how are we this evening? Man, we're doing all right, man. It's a busy time of year. I'll put it that way. I feel like uh, my head's been below water a little bit, but uh, that's how it is in November in Lexington. Yeah, you know, um, like I said, busy time of year. Uh, you know, I, I we were just talking about Starksville. Or Starkville, and um, you know, if I were a Kentucky Wildcat, I, I, I would be feeling indifferent, uh, you know, due to the you know, you get a chance to <laughs> you get a chance to bounce back, man, but damn, you got to go to Starkville. Oh, indifferent, yeah, indifferent, sleepy that's the word that was thrown around before we hit record on this episode of Believe in Kentucky. We're live streaming on Twitter, Believe in Kentucky, Facebook, YouTube. Get in here, leave some comments, tell your friends about the show. Uh, we cover all things UK and other little stuff in between NFL, NBA, um, you know, Aaron's Giants and Yankees and whatever else is going on, and you know, all that good stuff. So we come in here licking wounds from Tennessee. Three-game losing streak. Kentucky is five and three now. Just starting five and zero. Oh. Uh, going to a place where they haven't won in. Let's see. I've can't. I've lost track now. Two thousand eight. That's what I. Yeah, I was thinking that, and then I was like, no, that ain't right. But then it is. And that's right. also their last. And this is the last opportunity to do it. That is their most recent SEC West road win. And uh, obviously, division play will be over. You know, after the, the season. So last mm-hmm. opportunity. Mississippi State lost to Auburn, 27-13. Uh, so, and this is, look, and y'all got y'all's thoughts and can't wait to hear them. It's my theory, I said, before the start of the season, it doesn't always hold up, but you plan a first-year coach, you got to jump on him. You know, Zach mm-hmm. Arnett, first-year coach, he, you know, tragic passing to Mike Leach. He is now in that seat. You established – 10 years, 11 years in, Mark Stoops, you can't you can't let this guy get you in year one. That doesn't always happen. No. We know Hypo came up here in year one and one, and we, we get all that. Jeff Brom is in year one. He's been a head coach before I get it. 
Zach Garnett's never been a head coach. This is his first time in that chair. He went from a DC to there, and and you know they're trying to adjust. And Will Rogers is out. Mike White, who knows who's going to be quarterback? Yeah, it sounds like right. Yeah, get jump on this dude. It's this it's and look, every first year coach inherits different situations. The cupboard ain't always bare. Sometimes you get a good team. Sometimes you're mediocre, whatever. But when you've been there a decade and got your culture and organization established, you gotta be the first year dude. You can't. Yeah, you know, I don't care that they're desperate for a win, they just lost to all. I get it, but hey, go down there and end this streak. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, they, they haven't lost other than Hypel and I kind of you know, Tennessee, whatever. And I think they lost to Pruitt his first year, but put it, putting Tennessee aside, the last couple of years they've been fine against these first year head coaches, mm-hmm. but they've given up some marquee wins for these first time head coaches. Shane Beamer, that was a marquee win for him last year. If they don't win that game, who knows if they get hot in November and this year he's done already. Um, Eli Drinkwitz, you know, that was a big road win for him a couple of weeks ago. You know, he's had a little more success I'd say than Beamer, but overall, you know, this is his first year really taking off at Mizzou. Clark Lee got his first SEC win uh, in Lexington. So you don't want to add Zach Arnett to the list if you're Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but, look, objectively speaking, man, I, I, we'll get into the history and Jalen's played there and can tell us why this is such a brutal place to play. But this is not a good Mississippi State team. We're just calling it what it is. You know, their, their defense is – the better part of their team, you know, especially with the two middle linebackers, uh, Nathaniel Watson, who leads or is tied with the SEC leading sacks, and Jet Johnson, uh, and that three five, uh, the three, no, what is it, three three five scheme, yeah, tricky. But the secondary ranked ninth, like you can throw on them and build on what you did in the passing game, um, last week against Tennessee, and offensively, man, they're a mess. Like they're one SEC win, they won seven to three. <laughs> I mean, and that was against Arkansas's pitiful offense. So you know, I don't even give the defense for Mississippi State much love on that one. But just this <laughs> offense, look, Mike Wright is a guy that has tortured you, but you've seen him. You know, you should be expecting him. Uh, uh, Woody Marks, their star running back, is questionable with an injury. Uh, the wide receiver play outside of Griffin is not very good. The offensive line's old, but not very good. Like this is a team you should you should beat up on, even though it's down in a place you've struggled. And uh, if Kentucky loses this game, like it, it could get really ugly. And you're staring like this. I, I haven't like even considered them losing out. You know, I, I heard a lot of that during the bye week. It would make me have that thought if they lose this game because I think it's a toss-up between State and South Carolina, but this is probably the easiest game left on their schedule, maybe Carolina, but I'd probably lean State after watching kind of teams play a little bit this weekend. Uh, Yeah, I I definitely think this is the easy, quote-unquote, the easiest game, you know, left on the schedule. However, you know, I think, you know, Liam said something in his press conference. He said that there was almost like a glare of, what did he say? He he said, you know, of excitement or whatever word he used because of what they did. Eagerness, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I can second that because, you know, I'm sure the fans feel that way. I'm sure the quarterback feel that way. Just speaking from a quarterback perspective, you don't ever want to lose a game, but – when you go out and throw for what 383 or three, whatever 372, yeah. 372. Um, there's a lot of positive you can take from that, especially when you've been passing for like 105. You know, so uh 
are you disappointed? Yeah, because, you know, it seems like there's a mental block when it comes to Wildcats versus Vols in football. <laughs> uh, you know, it really is. I mean, yes. as bad as we were in 13, we played a just almost just as bad Tennessee team that year. And it's just like, it, it's just, we couldn't do nothing right. I mean, we didn't do much right the whole year anyway, but we couldn't do anything right that game for whatever reason. Um, you know, it's just it's just bad, man. Uh, I don't know what it is, but Tennessee, in my opinion, I thought you know the talent level was comparable between oh, yeah. both teams. I would even give Kentucky a slight edge in a couple different positions. Sure, you know, so um, I don't think Tennessee was like just the glaringly better team as far as talent. I just think there's something going on. I don't, I don't know what did I keep my finger on it. Dude, uh, they made but, a field goal that doinked. Like it's just yeah. there's voodoo in the air in that game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something something's up with that. I don't know what it is, but you know. But however, like I said, I think from an offensive perspective, now defense is a totally different story. I think there was some effort issues, lack of toughness issues, physicality issues that obviously the coaches see it. However offensively you just need to get back to running the ball efficiently on first and second down uh so that you know you can get yourself ahead of the sticks because obviously your quarterback and receivers are starting to click and they have shown that they can be really explosive i knew that explosive game was going to come we talked about it on here that it was coming yeah. um, but we gotta you know you know talk about on this podcast on this episode of how can they put it together both spectrums right on the run side the physicality side the i'm going to move you off the ball side and on the other yeah. side of the spectrum the speed side the finesse side the let's throw the ball down the field side let's use our nfl caliber quarterback side how can you merge those two worlds together and get them together on the same day at the same time it's always the conundrum or the the challenge i should say when it comes to Offensive coordinator, quarterback, a head coach, or offense, or anything. So um, I don't know how what's going on at practice. I'm not. I'm not there. I don't know what's going on in the locker room. However, um, I do know that this easily could be a game where the defense gets you a little bit because they are so complex on defense. They do so many different things. You cannot go by your base day one install rules a lot of the times when you play teams like this because they they are always moving and stemming and stunting and changing and blitzing and you know um you know just just i mean everything in the book they seem like they throw the kitchen sink at you uh they play the three safety look you never know what safety is going to drop what safety is going to be you know a half field defender or middle third defender or or deep third defender you never know. You just don't know. Like, this is the most complex defense out there or one of them. Uh, so from an offensive perspective, you know, you almost have to go back to, like, you know, what is good against everything? What have we installed, like, early on in camp or in spring that has been solid against whatever the defense thrown at us? What can sustain, what can stand, um, you know, chaos at the end of the day? And that's what you got to roll with because at the end of the day, you just don't know. It's hard to predict, you know, what, exactly what you're going to get. So long-winded answer, but uh, they got to go down there to start with it and find a way to get a win. And that goes back to my question. You know, Liam, 
y'all talked about it. Y'all heard him talk about the same thing Jalen just said, how the rules don't apply against the 335. It's so different and it's so disruptive and you don't know. Then if that's the case, Jalen, Aaron, why don't more teams do it? You see the NFL, you know, sometimes – Sometimes the the Ravens will you know no down linemen. Everybody standing up and everybody moving and and then the defense looks like they don't know what hit them. Like in offense, sometimes when a team goes to a two three zone, oh whoa wait a minute oh when you got to reset and go put your zone off it. If it's so disruptive and it breaks all your rules and all your philosophies and everything you program yourself to do, and now we gotta change it because these guys are doing this. How come there's they're the only ones do it? Like West Virginia back in the well, day used to do three three five, but you know, is it personnel? Is it just like a knuckleball? Only certain people believe well, in it. What do y'all think? Yeah, you know, since our nets or I guess our net came in, in twenty twenty. That's when they started this thing. They've had what this is uh, Marquis Spencer, Martin Emerson, Manuel Forbes, Cameron Young. So four draft picks, uh, really good defensive linemen usually that, you know, they play well in their three-man front, and they've had some talented DBs. So I think personnel's played into it. I think the scheme has been effective at times. But this year, if you just look at it, like, uh, the defense has not been very good. And they do stop the run okay. They're kind of middle of the pack in that. Uh, the two linebackers, like I was talking about, are really good. But I, I don't know. It definitely, uh, you know – <laughs> I bet you Liam Cohen sees things on tape that that he can attack. He's always going to be complimentary. And, you know, Kentucky's offense did – it's kind of weird. They they did just fine with it last year, and we know that wasn't a good Kentucky offense. They scored 27, which, you know, is not elite, but pretty good. They hit some big plays. Uh, Rasan Lewis had a really good second half in that one. The big play to DeKel Crowdis. Uh, and then two years ago at home, that offense didn't get much going. But in Starkville, that was a game Will Levis through three picks. So this game is – it's kind of been up and down against this type of defense for Kentucky. But um, the personnel makes a big difference. And if you look at Mississippi State's personnel outside of those two linebackers, man, it's just – it's not what they're accustomed to down there. And maybe they have some guys uh, – some young guys on that roster that they're they're getting going and, and could be a, a factor later on or – I don't know exactly how it's going recruiting wise, but um, it, it, the personnel's not, it's not what it usually is down there on the defense side of the ball this year. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, you know, to answer your question, why more people don't do it is, you know, it's tough to teach. Um, it's extremely tough to teach. You know, you got Iowa State who, who kind of broke it into the modern way of doing it. But I just think it's extremely tough to teach. Usually teams do it when they don't have elite players. Um, everywhere, and it's you know, and it's just like everything else, man. Like, why do teams, you know, like Ohio State for a long time, or like you know, LSU for a long time, line up in a you know, a four two and play cover one or cover three the entire game? There's teams that still win at a high level doing that, but the flip side of that is you are very predictable, teams can scheme you, um, and they know exactly what you're going to be in it. You know, so they can scheme. But the flip side to the three three five is, you know, um, guys can be out of position. You know, there's a lot of movement taking place. Yeah. So you can easily, if you dial up the what you may think is the right play, and the offense dial up the right play, they may gash you because you just stunted yourself out of position. But the flip side to that is, you can stunt yourself and move yourself and 
and, 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 and stem yourself in position to get a lot of negative plays, tackles for lost sacks. So, you know, it's just like everything else. It's a very high risk, high reward type system. Yeah. Uh, it's a very high ceiling, low floor system. You know, you get most people who run, like I said, three, four, cover four, cover two, cover three, like kind of your base stuff. And it's the floor isn't as low unless you just have bad players and bad coaches. And But there's sometimes unless you have elite players, the ceiling isn't as high. You know, right. I think teams like Mississippi State, teams like Iowa State, teams like TCU uh, last year, they played a system and they're, they're able to um, – kind of cancel out their lack of talent in some places by disguising those guys and hiding those guys and being able to get those guys in certain positions where they have help. Uh, so they, they don't have to play, you know, mano y mano. They don't have to play, you know, uh, head up with a, a left tackle that's going to be a first-round draft pick. They can right. move and stem that guy and kind of get half of them to where they can work only half of that guy's body and may have a chance to, you know, uh, get in the back. So that. There's pros and cons to everything, but, you know, I think that system is really high risk, high reward, low floor, very high ceiling. Yeah, I mean, look at last year, how Emmanuel Forbes describes it exactly, right? And we see he's kind of struggling a little bit in the NFL, but that's neither here or there. But, you know, he had like six picks, a couple pick sixes. Like, he made things happen in that secondary. Um, this year, they don't have that shutdown corner, and it's hurting them. They play so many DBs. But, yeah, I think it's exactly that. It is high risk, high reward, and so far – uh, there hasn't been that much reward for that defense. I know they really struggled. They've really struggled outside of the Arkansas game most of the year. I think they gave 28 to Western Michigan. So uh, th- there's no excuses, man. Like I know it's going to be – I think it's their homecoming crowd, the Cowbells, the the curse that, that is playing in Starkville for Kentucky. It's all there, man. But, like, there's no excuses not to attack this defense, especially in the passing game when you're coming off uh, so the performance you had uh, last week and then. You know, if they're going to play in a three-man front and they're not going to – I mean, I know they'll move their personnel around um, and give you different looks, but I would think that's going to make it harder to stack the box and maybe get Ray Davis going a little bit again and kind of strike that balance. So, you know, offensively, it's a, I think it's a better matchup than Kentucky's had, you know, last week, and even though they were able to exploit some things uh, better than Georgia and a couple other ones. Yeah, just to – to see, but Jalen kept saying it, and eventually it had to come together as far as the passing, as yeah. far as the, the, the guys being open, ball yeah. being thrown accurately, and you know, protection and, and hitting and it all clicking. And that was that was great to see. And as everybody talked about, Tennessee took Ray Davis out. That was like their that was number their game one plan. motive, that was their number one mission. Yeah, so the DC admitted that today. So yeah, so they Kinda, yeah they were able to okay pick their poison. They like we're we're going you know live and die and see what happens with Leary. Kentucky on the hand, Tennessee leads the league in rushing, three headed monster at running back. Okay, they run for two fifty. Now if that's going to happen, you can't let Joe complete ninety percent of the passes. Eighteen and twenty-one. Only three balls hit the ground. You you stop something, and they weren't able to stop anything when they needed to. That's what. Yeah, I look. The defense is in a rut. I mean, there's no. I, I understand they played three top twenty offenses back to back to back here, but 
you know, 90% completion rate to Joe Milton, uh, all the rushing, like that can't happen. You have a guy fall down in coverage, just, just a brutal defensive showing. And it's really been a brutal three weeks for that unit. I mean, beginning of the year, uh, first five games, they allowed 76 points and extended that 30 point or less streak to 10 in the last three games. They've given up over 30 and all those, and they've allowed 122 points. So they're giving up more points in the three-game span than they did in a five. So it's really been brutal. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little concerned with some of the stuff that happened at the press conference today with J.J. Weaver talking about how the group is pretty uptight and how they're not finding any joy. And they're, you know, obviously winning cures all. You win this weekend, you give it on a roll, you're feeling good. But this is the same defense that a month ago against Florida – balled out against uh, and Florida's offense to their credit. They're averaging 33 points a game since the game in Lexington. I understand, you know, Vandy and South Carolina were two of the opponents there, but still like they had a really good first drive uh, against Georgia. It's probably the best drive. One of the best drives anyone's had against Georgia all year. So, you know, an offense is doing some good things uh, and they're talking their crap after the game. Clearly their swagger and their confidence and they're having fun was there. So they got, they got to figure out a way to get out of this rut, and I think they'll get back on track. But you know the the pass defense we were that was a, a worry going into the season uh, early in the year. You know it held up really nicely, but ever since they've been these uh, they've been playing these better quarterbacks, you know they're in a rut. And I think it all starts. And Jalen, you touched on teams being able to disguise their weaknesses, and I think Kentucky with the way they they dropped Derek Jackson and Trevin Wallace in coverage and kind of helped those safeties out maybe disguise uh, some of the flaws they have at safety. And I think, I mean, Ty Bryant played a great game last week. He's a freshman, but Zion Childers, like the, the one pass to Thompson, I think the Oregon transfer Thompson, instead of just playing his man, Zion goes and dives for the ball. And that's why that big play happened. I think it was the 40 yard gain uh, on second and 20. So, you know, stuff like that has been a recurring theme at safety all year. Jordan Levitt was struggling before he got hurt. Uh, Jalen Geiger was probably the guy who was playing the best in the room, but he's down. So um, they got to figure it out at safety somehow, and they got to just get back to doing what the things they were doing well, which is stopping the run uh, and limiting explosive plays. Because um, uh, this Mississippi State team, while they're not an explosive offense, they have guys who have beat up on Kentucky in the past. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I think watching that game and, you know, Somebody who go who go all the way in is, is uh, Van House, man. Mm-hmm. He, he, he go all the way mm-hmm. in, but I, I do think you have to you have to stop one. And this is not anything new. This is not groundbreaking breaking news. Kentucky's coaches know this. We know this. You can't allow a team to beat you in both facets. Right. You got to make Joe Milton beat you at the end of the day. Uh, and most coaches, I would almost say all coaches would. Go, I, I'd rather get beat by two touchdowns because a team just throwing the ball low, low over the yard than a team rushing the ball on me and beating me. Uh, yeah. that's that's demoralizing, keeps the defense on the field, and it's just you know something about that physical confrontation that you know you're not winning demoralizes the team, not even just a defense, a team. Uh, and that that's big, and also you know, it, it, I'm sure it's frustrating to those guys that. You know, you can't stop the run, and the DBs are getting beat deep in the pass. So them, you know, I, that the play that the, the kid fell down. Uh, who was it? Um, Jordan Robinson. Fell. Yeah, Robinson. 
He felt he was beat off the line. Anyway. Oh, he, uh, the the best play would have been to grab him and take the pi. Yeah, yeah it was going to be a, if if it was a good ball, it was going to be a touchdown anyway. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I think you know. So I heard people mention that if he don't fall, well, he was no, beat anyway. He was beat. He was yeah, beat. he he was beat. You know, so you know, it's just all around they just didn't play well. No. Uh, you have those games sometimes. You just hate for that game to come against Tennessee, man, uh, where you just don't play well. So. You know, I think the first half of Alabama game kind of got Joe Milton going. But that first half of the Kentucky game really got him going. Uh, you know, he was yeah. running off effectively. You know, he threw the, he made some plays on scramble drill. He threw the ball pretty efficiently. Uh, and once you let a team that runs the ball that well, you let their quarterback get in that much of a rhythm, mm-hmm. it's, they are almost impossible to beat now. Uh, especially when they have running backs like Tennessee has. Tennessee has three yeah, guys that really tote the mail, man. So, uh, you know, they got to bounce back. You know, this is the perfect game to bounce back. Uh, Mississippi State's offense is probably worse than the nearest high school offense. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know they, they do have a quarterback yeah. who can fly, though. If you let him, if you let him yeah. get the crease, he can run now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think – I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, Will – what's his last name? Well, yeah, it doesn't sound like Will Rogers. 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 Yeah, I don't think Will Rogers would be playing. Uh, so I can't. We'll, I can't figure we'll out see. what would be a better matchup, honestly, because you know they've been they've been getting diced up in the past game the last three weeks. I mean, Carson mm-hmm. Beck played his best game of the year. Hey, he's been great all year. I'll, I'll take him out. But I mean, Brady Cook. You know, he's done a lot of good, but and his yardage wasn't insane, but he was very very efficient in that Kentucky game. And then obviously, Joe probably plays his most efficient game of the year right there. So uh, maybe it is better that they don't have to face Rogers because Wright is not a great passer. I mean, even last year at Kentucky, I know he hit on the deep ball to, to either Skinner or Shepard uh, on the play with Max Harrison there, but he, he completed under 50% in that game uh, and threw a pick this year's completion percentage is at 58. So about the same as Devin Leary, who's up to 57 after last week. Um, Rogers is a guy who I, I don't think he – you know, the the stat where he's the second or third leading passer in SEC history is misleading with the air raid stuff, but he's he's an experienced quarterback who's seen everything uh, that a pass defense could ever throw at you, knowing that they were going to pass every play. So um, may, maybe it'll be better that they just kind of have to lock in on the run a little bit and be wary of the receiving game. But uh, yeah, yeah, this Kentucky defense got to step up, man. They're not going to – they're not built to win shootouts. They're like – the last game was they're not built to win track meets. Like it's just not going to happen if the, if this defense can't get stops. Uh, that's I don't know if they're going to win another game. That like that's how serious it is. Two things now. Um, you mentioned a little, being a little bit concerned about what JJ Weaver was saying today. Yeah, and you you flash back to however the vibe was after the Florida game. Flashback even further than that. The the vibe. You know, ACC media day, gain this weight, getting swole, gain, you know, put on this muscle. Now, we didn't say he was going to be the next Josh Allen, but we maybe expected a little more production from the edge in the terms of sacks and yeah. pressure. And that really hasn't happened. And so I'll let y'all talk about that. Yeah. And number two, Van Howes has been on here with us. Did Van Howes lie? Did Van Howes lie? He goes about- in, he does his cut ups. About going all the way in, like Jalen said, if, if you're elite, no plays off. Did he, uh, did he lie? No. Did he? 
No, he didn't lie. Uh, look, if uh, I, I mean, I think the world of Deion Walker, you know, he's going to get a lot of money after next year in the NFL. But he that I, I know the play you were talking about taking off. I think the play that was really frustrating is the missed tackle on the shovel pass. Like if you bring that guy, to, I think it was third down, wasn't it? Was third down? Uh, may have been second down or man. second down that would have set up a third and long. It, it, it was a play that would have helped to get off the field. And you, the easy play for a guy like that, and he can't make it. There's the missed tackles were just that, that. That's what was so demoralizing. Not to go off on tangent, but what was so demoralizing it was it wasn't like Tennessee's offensive line manhandled Kentucky's. Like you know they had the play where Dion did get a sack. You had the play where Ox and Josiah Hayes got in there for a sack. Like Kentucky's front was able to get to the ball carriers. But they just couldn't bring them down. I mean, the play Andrew Phillips at the end of the game, that the third and seven run by Milton, where you would have forced a long kick and maybe you, you get a miss in the ball back. Just like so many missed tackles. But yeah, from the from the Yags perspective and, and getting a pass rush, I mean, it, it was something that they got off to such a hot start with this season, and it was really exciting. I mean, they were well on their way to pass. I think they had 18 sacks, or no, they had 20 sacks as a team last year. Uh, and it looked like they were gonna go get 18 sacks in six games. And now they're just, uh, they're at 18 on the year. They 20 last year. So they're two way. They'll probably pass what they did last year, but it, it just hasn't happened. And JJ, you know, he's at three sacks, you know, he's been up and down. I thought the Florida game was the JJ Weaver. We, we saw was a really elite pass rusher two years ago, but he hasn't been that steady force. I think they've had to get a lot of pass rush production out of Deion Walker at a position uh, in the interior defensive tackle that's not necessarily known for racking up sacks at the college level yet, uh, like it is in the NFL now. And then Trevin Wallace, your, your weak side linebacker, is second on the team at three and a half. So they're, they're not getting enough uh, of a pass rush, and that's been an issue. That was an issue last year. It's an issue again this year. And I, I, at, at some point, I, I don't want to question Brad White too much. He's done a great job, but at what point is it scheme? At what point is it are they just missing something on the recruiting trail with some of the pass rushers that they're getting in here? Um, there are definitely questions that got to be asked there because uh, with the talent that it looks like they have on this roster at those type of positions, like JJ was a four-star guy. Keaton Wade was a four-star guy. Darren Henry Young was a four-star guy. Uh, it feels like the, uh, the sack numbers TFL should be a little higher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be an ass, but uh, that's true, man. Like, no, no, yeah, I mean, no, I agree, man. You know, I, I just, you know, look, they, we know that they have a good coaching staff. I just think as some, and this is the, this is my honest feel I get from this team. Good team potentially could have been a great team that, just I don't think they mesh well. Something's off again. That that's the feel I get. Yeah. I could be totally wrong. No, I, I've started I be, I'm not around the team. I'm not in Lexington. I don't know. However, from the interviews that I watch, from the players and the coaches, from what I hear, you know, that's just hearsay in Lexington. I just I don't know if this team is meshing well from a personality, character, leadership yeah. type thing. I, I, I That's just the feel I get. You know, from a team this talented and to lack and to be hot and cold like that and, at times, 
that that you know that that's just what I get. I could be totally wrong. We know that they have good players and coaches. We know that, right? They, I mean, they, they, that's 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 proven. That's stamped. That's we don't have to ask that question. Sure. However, from what happened last year to what's happening now, um, you know, which again, I don't want to make this sound like this is because they lost three in a row in twenty twenty one, and came back and finished. Oh pushing. yeah. Uh, but I just get a feel that something's not meshing well. I it, it, and it, a lot of times it's personnel. Um, you know, locker rooms type stuff. I don't know what it is. I, you know, like I said, I could be totally wrong, but this is just kind of the feel I get from what I hear and see. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree. And I know there are a lot of guys who are close in that locker room. I mean, we see it. We see it when we're there, uh, like the wide receiver room. That is a very close-knit group. Uh, I think the offensive line room is pretty tight. Um but yeah, there, there's some, there's something missing, man. It, that like, when I was around that Josh Allen team with in 2018, like that, that was a, they were inseparable that team, and there was something special about it. And I, I, I haven't gotten that vibe the last two years, and it's been a little disappointing because of how, how much talent there is on this roster and how, how much I think of this coaching staff. So, and you know, last year or the whole talk going into this year was how you know, they handled adversity poorly and they wanted to turn that around this year. And I think, I do think it's been a little better because unlike last year, I'm not questioning. I know there's the clip with Van and Dion taking plays off, but I feel like they've played pretty damn hard. I feel like the efforts there, the energy's there where at some points it wasn't last year. I can tell you that, but there is just a disconnect and something that's holding this team back from, from getting back to what they were two years ago or what they were five years ago. It's, it's just, um, I'm not sure what it is. I'm sure if Mark Stoops knew what it was, he would he would have fixed it by now. But uh, uh, they have to do some deep, obviously finishing this street season strong and maybe going eight and four and winning a bowl game, getting to nine wins would would cure a lot. I mean, someone pointed it out to me like outside of the two 10 win years, uh, they haven't had a se- regular season without the bowl. We'll take the bowls out. They haven't had a season. They've only had two seasons of more than seven wins, and it was the two Citrus Bowl teams. Like the uh, the Belk Bowl team that won eight, but I was with a bowl. So, like, if they, they can get to eight regular season wins, like, it's only the third time it's been done under Stoops. Like, this would be one of his most successful teams. So that's still on the table. But I just feel like if, if it doesn't get to that point, if it's seven and five again, if it's six and six, God forbid it's five and seven, uh, there needs to be a uh, – a lot of soul searching, a, a a kind of a, for lack of a better word, uh, investigation into what is going on uh, that's causing this, uh, because it's only going to get harder with this division stuff over. And you have Texas on the schedule next year. You have Auburn is going to be a lot better. They're going to be on the schedule next year, like Ole Miss on the road. It, it, it's only going to get harder, man. <laughs> Truth be told, I, you know what? You know, maybe is it – this is the first time Stoops has had to deal with this much star power. No, no doubt. At a young age. With NIL and transfer. Court. Yeah, no doubt. Could that be something that's kind of – because it – I know, know it was last year until they figured out the um, the collective. Yeah, y'all know how it is with team sports, man. Any little negativity just throws off everything. You want to – you know – you don't want to be 
over, you know, you want to be real, but you want to be as positive as possible with everybody. But, you know, again, first time he's had to deal with this many stars yeah. and at, at a young, as freshmen, dealing with NIL, dealing with transfer portal, dealing with a quarterback who felt like he's supposed to be a draft pick and didn't get the start that he wanted. Yeah. Could it, you know, uh, could it be something that I don't know that's you know that we don't see that's causing you know them to hold back, not hold back, but it was holding them back a little bit because at the end of the day, maybe taking some focus off that. I said, yeah, because yeah, at the end of the day, it, it, these young men nowadays in college, if they feel like they are that type of guy, they feel like they're a dog. They better be getting paid and be happy or they getting out of there. So there's a lot of, you know, you wear a lot of hats now as a college football coach. Yeah. And I don't think he's ever had to wear this hat, you know. No. So, um, you know, at Alabama, Nick Saban's always had to wear the Stars hat. So he's used to dealing with this as a head coach. Stoops did it at Florida State, but he wasn't a head coach. But now, you know, you're a head coach and you got to wear a lot of hats. Uh, dealing with a lot of high caliber athletes who feel like they should be getting this and that and this. So how is it? I don't know. It could be a lot of things, man. And the portal, they're in a tough place with the portal too, because they're kind of, they're a program that people do want to be out and be in the SEC, but the players who maybe feel like they're not getting enough playing time or they can take another step, they're still another level ahead of Kentucky. So I, I know for a fact, until they got the collective stuff, there was some real fear of losing, I'm not going to name names, but there was a real fear of losing some of the star talent from last year's roster. No doubt. And the collective kind of, they were able to kind of keep their core, you know, they lost guys like Justin Rogers, but they were able to, they were able to keep the big names. And, you know, this year I've heard, I've heard a couple names floating around that are guys that are flirting with it. And I'm sure that's a distraction. Like it is what it is. Um, But that's college football now, man. You got to find a way to balance all that stress. And, and when it's, when you're folk, you got to take it one. I understand you have to recruit and stuff, but when it comes to the in season, you, you got to just focus on things one game at a time, uh, getting a game plan together and just focusing on winning the day and winning a game. I feel like uh, you got to kind of push that portal stuff to the side, have a staff in place with the NIL that can kind of take care of that and talk to players and talk through things. Um, uh, but if they're letting those type of things come to distraction, they're just going to get left behind. That, that's that's how this how college sports is right now. Look at Clemson, man. Uh, they don't know what the hell they're doing <laughs> with the portal, and I don't know. I don't. I don't know enough on their NIL. I don't know enough what they're say uh, what their NIL situation is, but. I can tell you they're falling behind. Um, I think eventually Michigan State basketball, they're going to fall behind with some of the way, some of the stuff that they talk about with the portal. So um, we've already seen, you know, even Georgia adapted. Like Georgia was the one team that was able to avoid using the transfer portal last year and still win it. And this year they went out and recruited their wide receiver room out of the portal. Like (laughs) you have to adapt. You just have to. So what y'all think about old Dabo? Is he? Oh my is, god! Is he? Is he, the, is he make some points, but you don't yes. want to hear it? Or I mean, what I actually, about? I've heard, I've had Dabo things that are worse than this. I actually think like that was a personal attack. Like once you personally attack someone, and I'm not saying the caller was wrong. Like he is making a crap mm-hmm. ton of money, and it should be better than four and four. But 
when you tell someone to their face you're making this much and not performing, I think you have a right to defend yourself. And it is a little different with Clemson. It'd be one thing if this was happening at Georgia or, or Alabama, where at Clemson, like they were uh, not even Georgia because they had a they didn't they had a long trout. But if it were happening at Alabama, LSU, or something like that, where Clemson, like they were they weren't after I, I, they were a little more than an afterthought for 30 years. And then Dabo comes in there and they go on a half decade run where they're right there. If not ahead of Alabama, they're the premier program of, of the sport. And yeah, they, they've fallen off a little bit. There's no doubt about that. They're falling behind with the portal, but I do think in that case where he's being attacked, you know, Dabo has a right to, to defend himself there. He is a two-time national champ, but some of the other stuff like the, Maybe we should lose some games so uh, people can like that stuff is come on. But I didn't have that big of an issue with this one. Yeah, I, I think we live in a world now where, you know, on social media over the phone, people just say whatever they feel like they can say. Over man. the phone's better than Twitter. At least he yeah, said it. No, yeah, he, 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 had, he had the balls to say it. Yeah, I'm like, man, like, like what. I just don't, you know, I just don't know about that, man. I, I don't, I don't respect somebody saying that type of thing to a coach who has won two national championships at Clemson. Come on, man, Clemson, Clemson ain't no blue blood. I ain't hear about Clemson no. until I got in high school. That's exactly right. Like, I mean, I didn't know about, I didn't know anything about Clemson until I got in high school, and I still didn't know a lot about Clemson in high school. It took me to college to, okay, this is Clemson. Like I knew, okay, where's Clemson, South Carolina? Where you know, I, I mean, I, that's a legit. I didn't even know who Clemson rival was until I got high school. Like, and yeah. you talking? I mean, this is a coach who, you know, he happened to be now. Yes, he has to adapt. But you know, for to call a man out like that, you know, I just don't. I don't respect anything about that. No. Uh, now, some of the stuff Dabo said, I don't think he shouldn't have said as a guy who's in that leadership type position. Mm-hmm. Um, but to you know, I, I, I'm all for. I would have been okay if he would have cussed dude out on the phone. You know, yeah, that part of it would be like, yeah, you deserve that for saying that. You know, um, you know, I just don't think for people, you know, who hadn't done anything, like what make you, you know, who are you to say something like that to a guy who has won two national championships, had I don't know how many 10 win seasons in a row. A lot. You know, yeah. um, how many ACC championships in a row? Now, granted, ACC is very weak, but I mean, dude, like, come on, man, like, it goes back to like I, I this fan thing. I've always said this, and a lot of people take this the wrong way. Uh, but about ninety percent of fans absolutely means nothing to most players. Nothing, because we know that as a player, most players know the the ones who are aware. They know that those people are just they exactly what they are. Fan, fanatics. When it's going good, they fanatical about everything that's going good. When it's going bad, they're fanatical about everything that's going bad. They're not true, you know, they're not true rooted, like, fans of whoever the player is, whoever the school is, however they're doing. I got a kid that I coached who said, Coach, you know, I was joking on him about Clemson. I was like, Clemson 4-4 now. I was like, come on. He was like, Coach, I'm whether they – he was like, whether they 10-0 or 0-10, or I'm going to wear this hoodie every day. I respected that so much because, that you know, that a lot of fans don't think like that. No. And you want to know, just go look at the comments under these players' posts sometimes. Brutal. Go look at some of these 50 and, you know, 55-year-old grown men 
who are saying some of these things to these young men, you know, that are just downright disrespectful and tasteless. You know, at some point, you got to put some of these people in their place. Uh, and I really believe that, you know, you got, you got good fans. I know a lot of good fans when I was at Eastern at Kentucky, just like whether I threw three interceptions or threw four touchdowns, they were like the same, but you do have those that are like a lot of those I should add that just like, come on, bro. Like at the end of the day, is, is this affecting your happiness so much that you're willing to send a, 1,000 word, you know, I should, I, one day I wish I could show y'all some of the DMs that I used to get. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous, you know, so yes, Dabo shouldn't have said some of the things he said, but I'm all for, at some point, putting people like Tyler uh, in, the, in their place, man, because some of those people need to be, need to be put in their place, especially talking to a coach who, you know, has probably brought you some of your best memories and best days of your life when winning well, win that championship, so. You know, yeah. So I think, like, you know, Tom Leach would have cut the collar off if it was trying to say that about Stoops. A lot of a lot of call-in show hosts would have jumped in and cut Tyler off and not let Tyler say everything he said. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Dabo's right in the sense that the expectation over appreciation because – you know, you you expect all this, and now you have a four and four season, and now you blow up. But I still, I, I don't want to hear it coming from Dabo because he kind of talk out of both sides of his mouth. A it lot is. of coaches do, but don't don't act like you just so great and this sleazy world of college football. But none of the sleaze is on me. I'm I'm the non sleazy coach in a sleazy world. Don't give me that. I ain't trying to hear that <laughs> from him. So. He made some points. The caller went too far in being upset. Fans will be upset. But enjoy what you had and think about, if you've been a fan that long, think about what they were before he got them to where they were a few huh. years ago. Yep. But I just, you know, I that coming from Dabo, I kind of like, just, eh, whatever, man. You know, just because yeah. I, I'm not really a fan of him and, you know, I'm gonna leave when players start getting paid, and he ain't went nowhere. He's still cashing that 11, 11 million dollar checks. So you you say that kind of mess. That that's that's why I can't really rock with him for uh, some some of that yeah. stuff either. Yeah, some some fans got to realize that they could be you know they could he could easily he could easily been born you know a fan of the school three hours south of South Carolina. When last time South Carolina has won a national championship? Never. You could easily been born a fan of a school that's a few hours north. And Wake Forest or NC State. When the last time have they won anything? Um, you know, so again, like you are a part of the one percent of the one percent of a fan that has in your lifetime had the chance to celebrate like eleven ACC championships and two national championships. And like yeah. Dabo said, I agree with you, but that he did bring up a point of not only did we win two national, we beat the best of the best possible. That wasn't a year that somebody the crap out of Alabama in the second. Yeah. They beat Alabama last minute, and then they kicked the crap out of yeah. them. It wasn't a year where somebody slipped up and got no. some ECU who made a national championship game. They played Bama and beat them twice. Twice. And yep. go look at Bama's roster in those uh, national championship games. Whew. It's yeah. like they're all almost started in NFL right <laughs> now. Uh, so 
he do, you know, I, I, I see what you're saying because that's true too because nobody's clean in this college football world. Nobody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody has something that they can, <laughs> that they bury. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I, you know I, I see both sides and I understand fan frustration. I understand that. You, I get it. I get it when I put myself in their shoes. I, I, it's hard for me because I've never really been a fan of anything like that. I've never been that type of fan, but I do understand when your team isn't winning, how disappointing it is and all of that. But you got to have some type of perspective. Yeah, like and just like decency to say, hey, we went 10 and 2 just two years ago or whatever it was. They went 10 and 2 last year. I think their third loss was in the Orange Bowl. Right. And that was a terrible year to people. And I get it. They had some mistakes and whatever. But just, just be, you know. Put it into perspective, man. You could easily be a Mississippi State fan. That's true. You could be a Kentucky fan. (laughs) Yeah. For being real. Yeah. It's so, and, and look, you know, where Kentucky's at now with Stoops is like, that's that's the best they've been in my life. I'm about to be be 46 years old. And I remember when Van Howes played on the team and went one and 10. I remember that, you know, telling my dad, hey, yo, Kentucky just won. They, I think they beat Indiana that year or something. They won a game. <laughs> a game. Kentucky won. You know, I remember, you know, running in, saw the score or whatever. Whoa, Kentucky. You know, that's Florida State used to be the good team I rooted for because I was a Kentucky fan, but we the football wasn't good. But Florida State, Miami, I was always a Florida State fan when they was playing Miami. That was the game of the year and all that. That So that's – look, it's – you just got to remember yeah. how terrible it was. Remember how bad it's been. And, it, you know, it can't last forever to do, you know, yeah, the no. peaks. Somebody else is going to eventually you get you. Your You're going to slip a little bit. You're going to you have know. to change your expectations. I, I think, yeah, I think, unfortunately, we'll see. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong, but I think that's kind of going to happen here with football, where with the way that the SEC is going to be, I think – I, I I I know it sounds crappy, but like you you might have to settle for just getting to a bowl and being happy with that. With how Kentucky it it just is what it is in this conference, man. Like they they're gonna have they're gonna have to finish above Alabama, Georgia, uh, LSU, and all those Texas every year. Uh, it, it's just not gonna happen. Like you're gonna have to readjust expectations, and that probably has to happen at Clemson, um, and eventually it will. And but. I get why they're they're feeling that way right now, but uh, it's all about you got to even Kentucky basketball. Like if it continues to get this bad, or uh, like at some point, like you're gonna have to be like, okay, at least we got in the tournament. Like just because it's been so good for so long, uh, but eventually, like that's how it's gonna become if it keeps on that trend and fans are trying to keep it from happening. And it, there's always a reassessment of expectations. I think Florida State fans last year were pretty damn happy going 10 and 3 and winning the Cheese Bowl, and now they're taking the next step. Like, it's just, it's all about perspective. What goes up must come down, man. And yep. In six, six, seven, eight, nine years, somebody's going to be calling Alabama's radio station and heat off just like that because. Bama, that already happened this year. They were Bama, yelling at Nick. Bama, but Bama going to have to really readjust expectations when Nick Saban leaves. Out of that seat, like he, yeah. they have to readjust expectations. They're going to be a, they're going to go back to being a seven and five, <laughs> eight and four, at best program. You know, it's just is what it is. What goes up must come down, man. You can't be on top forever. Nobody has, and nobody ever will. 
Mm. It is what it is. No, absolutely. Um, you mentioned well, Levis two years ago with Mississippi State. Uh, he showed out Sunday for the Titans. Hmm. I mean, all these these Vol fans slash Titan yeah. fans had to change their tune when they didn't want him drafted on their team based off of what he did in his first game ever against the Falcons. So that was, you know, That's get, cool. get D-Hop the ball, and he was getting him the ball, man. And yeah, he really <laughs> wasn't. His best throw of the day, too, wasn't – I mean, obviously the two touchdowns – or three to Hopkins, the two deep balls. But the the best throw of the day was that last one to Westbrook or I think I, – I don't know, Westbrook, something Westbrook. Uh, the one where he was kind of threw it across his body and re- I mean that was like that was sick. <laughs> and I saw I saw Aaron Rodgers talking about that throw. I saw Jason Kelsey talking about that throw. Like uh, he earned a lot of respect throughout the league in one game. So you know uh, it's one game. I, I I think he's. I've always said I think he's a great pros prospect. He's gonna kind of surprise people when uh, he gets to the league and does some things. But. Uh, that's a hell of a way to start. Uh, he's got a big challenge on a short week in Pittsburgh, but I, I was really happy to see that. And I'm sure the and they kind of talked about it. Liam Cohen, Mark Stoops. Not only are they happy for uh, to see Will Levis doing that, but uh, anytime we get a quarterback in the league uh, and have success, uh, guys can uh, can draw something from that and get excited on the recruiting trail. So we've already seen you know two quarterbacks uh, commit since uh, Levis was drafted, and then Cohen came back and. It may be a sign of things to come there. No doubt, no doubt about that. I mean, and I, you heard Stoops talking about it. You know, I'm sure it's exciting for everybody. I mean, he said they were in meetings and he turned around and yeah. Um, so that's that's good. Like you said, and I'm sure they love it from for live for Will. They love it for their program. for themselves. Yeah, they love it for recruiting because you know it does it does matter to high school athletes, student athletes that. A quarterback from your school is thriving at the highest level in the NFL. Uh, he played for the coach that's there right now. So, okay, let me check into that coach. And that's how you get those four- and five-star quarterbacks to, you know, sign on that dotted line, man. That's what they want. So, um, you know, that that's that's good. So, that's good, man. And, uh, I, you know, I think he'll – you know, he has the talent to, to continue to kill it. Um, Absolutely. You just got to, you know, continue to get guys around them, though. Uh, that's going to be the key. So uh, we'll see what he do up in Pittsburgh. Um, but like I said, he, you know, he he has he has a bazooka on his right shoulder. Man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just from my selfish personal fantasy football, man, I, I drafted him and held on to him. <laughs> and I was like, you know, because at some point Tannehill is going to flame out or get hurt or something, and I just got That's a sneaky suspicion he'll, he'll get into that lineup and, you know, had the flex let in this one let you be, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, whatever. So put two quarterbacks in there, Levis as my second one, and he got like 53 points. So I'm like, you know, yeah, get your little – Feel like a little smart GM for one week. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a hell of a debut, and uh, he, there was even uh, Jalen, your guy Bud Dupree, got to him too. He had a sack, so there was Kentucky and Kentucky crime in that game, and mm-hmm. uh, that was a fun one. It was a good one for the, definitely a good one for the program. Good one for Will, obviously, and uh, we'll see if he can't build on that thing. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to whoever's running Kentucky's social media team. Uh, it's impeccable. 
And then Josh Allen will be having a oh, chance to try God. to get at him next week. No, our Josh he's, Allen. Yeah, our Josh Allen he's going to get paid. Oh, yeah. Man. He's a free yeah. agent, and he's uh, – yeah. where is he? Is he – I know Thibodeau's third in the league in sacks. I think Neil Hunter and Josh Allen are the only two out of them, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, man, uh, really cool, really cool. And could – we what almost halfway through the season <laughs> – could Levis fool around and still up being the best quarterback prospect from well, this class? I'll tell you what, like Stroud, I, I didn't see. I, mean, I know, I know, I know the Panthers beat the Texans. How did yeah, I know yeah. Stroud? Uh, how did Stroud? Play? I know Stroud had been balling it was up a until 15 13 game. They didn't put up any points. I was yeah. surprised. Uh, 140 I just, yards. He didn't throw a pick. Yeah. 66. Yeah, he was okay. I thought yeah. Houston would win that. I was like, no way that, you know, uh huh. They were rolling. I, I think at the end of the day, this has a chance to just be a really good class and kind of be one where, you know, it's hard to argue who was the best. Like Anthony Richardson, I, I didn't see it coming, but he was balling until he got hurt. Like he looked really, really good. All those tools that we heard about were kind of on. And it's kind of been the year where you kind of had two tool quarterbacks, right? Where a lot of the he, they, Will Levis last year didn't have the most success, injury, whatever. He threw a lot of picks the year before that. Otherwise, I thought he was excellent. Um, and then Richardson was kind of up and down, but at both of those guys were just guys that you saw the tools, you saw the NFL frame, you saw the throws, uh, where Bryce Young and CJ Stroud were more dominant winners at the college level. And maybe it's going to work out for all of them. I mean, honestly, I think Bryce Young will be fine. I think Carolina is kind of a dumpster fire right now. Yeah. Uh, they've got some work to do, but, um, you know, Stroud, it has a nine to one touchdown to interception ratio as a rookie. Like, that's almost impossible. For the Texans. Um, yeah, exactly. And Will <laughs> Levis looked great. Richardson was playing well. Hopefully he'll be, you know, good, and that won't become a recurring thing uh, with injuries for him. But mm-hmm. I think it just has – we'll see about Will being the best of the group. But I think it just has a possibility to be a, a damn good quarterback class. I mean, the other ones got had a head start on him, and then for him to make this kind of splash yeah. at the midway point, and then a lot of – I mean, it doesn't matter. They could be just a great class, but a lot of people want to just throw him at the bottom. Oh yeah, automatically. Oh, and, no, he, I mean, and he's the one well, who has to go yeah. through the draft day crap, where yeah. the camera's on him and he's sliding and ultimately slides out of that first round. So he, you know, he went through a lot to uh, to get to this point. So uh, and he wasn't even the guaranteed backup. It wasn't the backup necessarily. And you know, I think Malik Willis went in when Tannehill got hurt initially. Mm-hmm. So and three of them in the same division too. Yeah, that's what's wild Ooh, about we. it. Yeah, that, so that'll be fun. Uh, you know, too bad. I think, I think the Texans and Colt. Uh, no, never mind. He won't play. Uh, he won't get to play. What's his name? Richardson this year. I'm trying to think if they already played their two against the Texans or not. I know they played one. So hmm. we'll we'll get that Stroud Levis matchup at some point. Yeah, exactly. And then lastly, real quick, man, you I sent it. You know, Aaron, you already knew. We saw it. You yeah. Know. Cal Tucker's piece about Cal. A lot of stuff that people already had heard, but it was kind of maybe it was good chronologically just laying out, you know, what goes up must come down. That's the epitome of the company. Four final fours in five years. You can't, yeah, you can't just keep that going. And you it's the come down. And this was a lot of things that went into the coming down, you know, departures of key people in the organization, you know, Dwayne PV and John Robick and uh, assistants and staffers and yeah 
Cal's approach changing, a lot of different things happening at the same time that kind of led to where we are. And can he can he get it back? Can he yeah. can he ramp it back up again? Yeah, I thought it was. I mean, Kyle's the man. I thought it was incredible work, and the insight and perspective he got was just uh, unbelievable. And um, you know, I think that it kind of, like you said, confirmed a lot of things we kind of already knew, and maybe even expanded on it even more. Um, and I saw people whining about, "Oh, why would you drop this five days before the?" he is entering the most important year of his tenure here. Like it, it is undeniable. He's going back to exactly how he wants his team. You know, he didn't go the portal route. He's doing it his way. This is how he expects to win. And the program, the expectations are as low as they've been. I mean, they haven't been ranked outside the top 10 to start a year in his tenure. They have their rank. They're, what fourth in the sec is where they're picked. Yeah. Like it's never been like this. And he has the chance to prove everyone wrong and kind of turn back the clock and, you know, either get back to the top, go out on top, whatever. Um, there's a lot like in the seasons in five days, like, yes, this is the right time for this piece. He's not, there was no, like, it wasn't a hit piece from Kyle Tucker. He was explaining, <laughs> it, it was simply a, how did we get here? How did we get to the point where this is it? Like for, from a, not it, like you're going to get fired Cal, but like it from a, you have to deliver with this team or else like no one's going to think of you highly again. People are going to think of you as the Hall of Fame coach where the games pass them by. Like this is the right time for that piece. And um, I, I just couldn't believe people were complaining about the timing and thinking it was a hit piece. Kyle Tucker, uh, I've gotten to know him pretty well. There's no, he's not hitting Cal Perry with this. This was just good journalism. It's good perspective going into the year. And look, Cal has been kind of at his best throughout the years when he's been doubted. And he's being doubted. So maybe this, if anything, will help him. So um, just a great article. That, I just That's why the athletic's worth it, man, if you're not subscribed. Yep. Good stuff, for sure. So we had to get that in there as well. Oh, Aaron, man, have as safe a trip as possible to Starkville. <laughs> oh, it'll be safe. Uh, it'll just be long. <laughs> got to drive. Not looking forward to it, but we'll be all right. Jalen, man, dial up some good plays for Friday for your squad, man, and try your best to put them young fellas in the best position possible to make plays and let the hey, chips fall where they made, man. That's what I try to do, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll continue to learn, but that's what I'll try to do. We'll see, we'll see what we can do. There you go. Check Aaron's coverage out on the Cats Pauls. Good article about the defense just before this podcast started that he tweeted out. Uh, all kind of great content. And be sure to check us out here, believe.com, wherever you get your podcasts. Watch us, listen. See a Blue puts these episodes up on their sites. We definitely appreciate that as well. And look, we'll be back next Wednesday to talk about it. And Hopefully, we talking about That's six. A busy and week. We'll be at. We'll have a football game, a regular season basketball game by then, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Alabama coming to town. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that's a, Monday's the. Basketball yes, game. Monday's yeah. the season opener. Yeah. So, Champions and Classic, then, yeah. uh, not Champions Classic, New oh, Mexico right. State. Yes, my bad. Yes. Yeah, not a. It's I'm a. It's a. Game. But it's a game that counts. It's a game yes. that counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kentucky Champions State. Classic is two weeks from yesterday. Yeah, so we're 13 days out of that. Kentucky yeah. State tomorrow for the last preseason. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Thank you. So we'll have lots to talk about next Wednesday. Point is. <laughs>
And hopefully six and three is yeah. among one of those things that we're be. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> For Eric Gershon and Jayla Whitlow, my name is Vinny Hardy. Another episode of Believe in Kentucky. And we will holler at everybody next week with all that stuff to talk about that we just mentioned. So y'all be cool and we'll holler at y'all then. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube